Motivation and inspiration are powerful tools that change and influence perspectives, voices, and projects that shape the world. With all the negativity in the world, it can be hard to find those rare and beautiful stories that tell of inspired spiritual activism and individual healing journeys. Walk the path with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher, on the show Heart, Change, Consciousness, where we inspire listeners to take action towards a more just world. We'll hear from authors, change makers, influencers, activists, poets, filmmakers, and cultural workers who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. Heart Change Consciousness allows us to understand the world from different perspectives and highlights what is possible when we are fearless and open ourselves to our soul purpose and engage each other across boundaries. So let's self-heal and open the path to self-sovereignty. Heart Change Consciousness begins now. Hello, welcome to Heart Change Consciousness. I'm your host, Trish DeRocher, um, and I am so excited to be here with my guest today, Joanna Sias, who is a self-care coach and owner of Shea Fabian, where happiness lives. Um, Joe holds a master's in clinical psychology and currently resides with her husband and two children outside of Atlanta, Georgia. When Joe and I met earlier to talk about what we might want to talk about in this episode, Joe told me self-care, that's all I'm into. <laughs> so today we'll be talking all self-care all the time. So on a personal note, I just want to say that I've known Joe for about 20 years somehow, which is pretty wild. Um, and she has been consistently the person I channel when I'm lacking on my self-care. <laughs> So when our kids were younger, Joe set aside Mondays as her self-care day, whether it was like going to the spa or just getting outside or connecting with friends. That was just a sacred day for Joe to have to herself and her husband would watch the kids that day. Um, these days, Joe regularly takes what she calls momcations. Um, and these are kind of weekend getaways where she can connect with herself out of her roles as mother, wife, coach, daughter, right? Just Joe. Um, Joe's modeling and unapologetic, and I really mean that, <laughs> way of regularly carving out time for herself has really helped me um, confront a lot of the social and familial conditioning uh, that I received, that to be a mother and a partner meant to be a martyr, right? Meant to not have needs or to just put my needs on the back burner. Um, and so these days, this is Joe's life work. Um, she's had the courage to step out of her role as a therapist and fully into her soul calling um, and started Shea Fabian in 2019. August 2019, yeah. I think. Um, so Joe, I just want to thank you so much for coming and being here with us today. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hi, Patricia. Oh, I, I was wondering how it's been 20 years already, but thank you for having me. I'm excited. And yes, self-care every day. I have to go back for the show today. So to start the morning. Um, I started slow this morning. I did not wake up before eight, usually I'm up by six um, because I knew I was going to do this. I came to my own show on Instagram just so I can be present and fully embodying the presentation of self-care I want to show other people. 
and I do have little ones. I have a four-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a husband, and we are celebrating 10 years together, married, I should say, next month. So, hi. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so Joe, I really appreciate that because you really do walk the talk and, and that's really, um, what you always show me and kind of remind me of when I'm kind of like, Oh, I say I'm doing this, but I'm like drifting. It like helps bring me back. Um, so Joe, I'd love if you can just share with our listeners a little bit about how self-care became like the staple of your life um, and how it's something that you became so passionate about. Um, And so I'm wondering if self-care was something that was modeled for you growing up, if it was encouraged, um, and a little bit about what your journey was like becoming a self-care coach uh, and yeah, just letting um, listeners learn a little bit more about your work. So I am originally from Haiti. I was born and raised. So the island life is more relaxed. So I can say, yes, it was model, but I've been me for 37 years. I nap every day. I didn't stop napping once I graduated from being a toddler or anything like that. Um, the joke in our house was, if we go anywhere that's far, or not far, I will fall asleep in the past. So I never know what route people take because I'll be sleeping. Anyway, so I've been doing self-care before it was <laughs> popular. So that's from my childhood. And then when I got to school, I realized the self-awareness of I'm a morning person. So I like to be up in the morning, but by noon, I will need to power down just so I can go on for the rest of the day. So I always make sure I do stuff in the morning. I come home, I eat, I rest or nap, and then I do stuff in the afternoon. So I've been doing self-care before I knew that's what I was doing. And then by being a mental health therapist, my background is in multi-systemic therapy, which kids that are in probation, I have to go to the school, I have to go to court and working with the family. What was lacking is the parents didn't have any tools to take care of themselves, but they were asking to be helping their children. So I was like, oh, I could do something different. I can focus on the family instead of me helping the child because the child going to go back home in the same environment. But if mom and dad are overwhelmed, how are they going to supposed to come and be calling me asking you, hey, how's your day? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. So that's how it's shit for me. So with the pandemic, instead of having to go to families and work in the community, I am doing behavior coaching with adults. So no little ones, so you have to be able to be an adult. And I'm in my private practice, I'm only working with families, um, moms or dad or caregivers. So I'm really focusing on like we have to be the we cannot authentically give anything that we don't have. So if I'm not rested, if I'm not coming in a space of love, how am I helping you? I cannot truthfully be helpful to you. Yeah, the whole putting um putting your mask on first, right? And refilling your cup and making sure that you have energy in your cup. Yeah, and I, I think that that people, you know, we hear that intellectually, but the practice of it is so much harder because there can be so much guilt and shame. And especially when you're not seeing it modeled around you in the collective culture, it's easy yeah. to dip and be like, maybe it's not okay to do this. Um, I have that whole thing, I don't, if it's good for me, it does not have to. And it's everywhere because our family were like, what are you doing? 
Like we don't understand. It's okay. I'm happy. And then that, and to me, that was it. I'm like, if I'm happy, it's good. And they're like, what do you mean you're happy? I'm like, that's all I need. My my base is happiness. If I'm happy, the rest will follow. And it, everything else is like, oh, you know, I don't worry much. Now I do have a husband that likes to worry, and I let him <laughs> enjoy that. But for me, I'm like, it's gonna work out. So I believe it's gonna work out, and usually it does. So it works hand in hand. I'm like, by me hoping and being optimistic that it's going to be fine, it's, you know, it's like, I live in a house that I did not see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and I, I think that, that um, y- your clarity of purpose and, and your uh, kind of guiding pillars that they've always been really clear for you, at least since I've known you. Right. Um, and that's where a lot of people get stuck is that need to kind of people please or what other people will think. Um, and it seems to be one of your gifts, Joe, to just like, like unapologetically stand in that sovereignty and be like, this is what works for me. You don't have to understand it. Um, but I, I think there's that Miriam Williamson quote about we're not our, afraid of our darkness. It's actually our light that scares us. And she talks about how when we, you know, like dimming our light doesn't actually do anything for anyone, right? Sometimes we, yeah. <laughs> right? But when we stand in that light, it actually becomes like a model for other people. And they're like, oh, I can do that too. That's something I can grow into. And it's true because one of my mommy friends, she had never traveled by herself before I moved to Georgia. And then finally, she actually went to a wedding, her sister's wedding, without the kids. And she had five kids. And the husband, and she had fun. I'm like, that's the thing I'm talking about. If like, Because if I'm breastfeeding, so I was the mama that breastfed, I will take my child with me. But if I'm not breastfeeding, those, I'm going without you. Like, it's okay to actually lean in the support you have when you have it in the resources. Mm-hmm. So I want people to be like, like, because if you're aware of yourself, you know where your boundaries are. And I am very good with my boundaries. <laughs> we don't know I actually, yeah, I actually wrote that down. Yeah. So so being clear with your boundaries, right? That's how you that's how you mark your safe space. Um, and that's how you stand in your sovereignty, right? That's um yes, but I, I wrote down the next word I have is boundaries. Um because this kind of segues into our next question, but there's there's a lot of people, not just because they're, um, in part because of the familial and social conditioning, but just the sense of like, well, self-care is selfish and it's narcissistic and it's a little indulgent and it's out of reach for most people. Yeah, I can see the look on your face, but we're going to go here. We're just going to try it on, right? Um, and, and so that's coming like from some spheres. And then, you know, some activists are like, well, we don't need self-care. We need community care, right? Because we need people taking care of each other and we need systems to change. Um, and I know you're a fan of the NAP ministry, right? Which is okay. uh, a black woman owned organization in Atlanta, which is actually currently on pause for like two months. Cause she's like, I'm resting. She no social media yeah. posts. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to highlight that that particular organization is really um, a way to model and bring attention to rest as a form of res- uh, of reparations for BIPOC people, right? Yeah. Um, and, and also a refusal of capitalist principles, right? That are just like somehow your worth is connected to your doing. She's really doing a lot mm. of work 
against that. Um, and then yeah. we have, sorry, we have we have the Audrey Lord quote. I just want to set up so that you can can go. But we have the Audrey Lord quote quote about um, how self care right is not an act of self indulgence. It is an act of self preservation. And she even says it's an act of political warfare. Right. So there is like this phrase self care that gets used. Everybody has an opinion on it. Um, and yet when we talked, you were pretty clear that like, you're not sure that self-care for you is a form of activism, right? It's, it's yeah. something that guides you. Um, but so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about what self-care means specifically for you, um, what it consists of, what it looks like, why it matters, um, maybe what it's not, uh, and also how it might, um, how you think about some of these critiques of self-care. Okay, um, hmm, where to start? So for me, we'll start with the definition. So self-care, my tagline is, is loving yourself in action. So if you love yourself, which most of us, I don't think we know how to actually love ourselves, you will take care of yourself because you make time for the things you care for. So to me, self-care is loving yourself in action. And I always love when you bring uh, authors and books because when we met, I was just like, no, I just do this. I don't know. I wasn't reading that. <laughs> so it was like, I haven't read that book yet. And she's like, what? what? Where did you get it? So I was fortunately born having a purpose and tapping in it early on. So I didn't have to waver about what other people are doing, what they're singing. And yes, it's selfish. I will be selfish by loving myself. That's okay. So I don't have to take that heat of that. Oh my God, they think I'm doing something selfishly. Yes. I am gonna take a pause, I'm gonna rest, I'm gonna nap, so I can show up as my best self. And if that's selfish, right on, I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, to take care of the community, I have to take care of myself, yeah. I can take care of the community. So how am I gonna show up for the community if I'm not in a good space? So self-care can be personal and communal, but the personal part has to happen first. So for me, it's always me first and everything else follows. And it comes the same way as a mommy, as a wife. I have to be in a good space so I can be of service to others. And when people think about it, I'm like, I'm going to work with other people. I'm not saying I'm doing all this and I'm going to stay away and not share it. I'm doing this so I can actually have clients and I have my program when they'll be like, oh, after one week, I can see the difference of me spending time with myself and getting to know myself and knowing what triggers me when I need to pull back. Because if we don't have that relationship with ourselves, how are we going to be in a space where we're going to get triggered all the time and we don't even know why? Oh, picking up all the energies and we don't know if this is mine or if this is yours, how are we going to deal with it? Um, the NAP ministry, I was able to go to two of the installation before the pandemic happened and I loved it because we did, um, she brought ideas where we can actually read stuff. At some point we meditated and actually NAP as a community where you actually like things calm down and you, and as a napper, I was happy to actually have a space where I can go and people understand that you can rest. It's okay to rest. And we're not going to see a better world if we're not rested. If we always frizzle out, we're not going to see something different in the world. So that's my point of view. Yeah. And other stuff, but <laughs> well, Joe, I think that, um, 
your point about how when you're taking care of yourself, it can actually feed the community, right? That that there's a difference if you are engaging in self-care and just kind of keeping all of your energy in, right? Versus self-care as a, an actual mechanism to be able to do work in the world and to show up with a full tank and in a heart space. So Exactly. So whatever you're getting from me, it's not from my cup. It's from the overflow of my cup. So I'm not giving you anything I don't have. I'm giving you all the leftovers and all those good things. Because I think even our conversation, I was like, I get excited watching the sunrise and sunset. And it happens almost every day. And I will get giddy just like, like if I have like bunnies by my window while we're talking, I'll be like focusing that way. And I'll be like, oh, sorry. Like there was a bunny. I, like generally, I'll be like excited over the bunnies. We get this, this. Like, do you know how many pictures of the deals I've been taking? I do. I do. To... <laughs> <laughs> all the people I post them so much. But like being consciously making my, make sure I'm in a good space, I can be of service. And when I am in service, I give my best to all my clients. And if there's a day I wake up and I'm not feeling well, I will reschedule because I don't want to show up for you and you're not getting anything good from me. So I have that balance out too, because I'm like, I'm not saying that, like, oh, I have to work and that's, it's not set in stone. There's the flexibility of things. Yeah. I, I also, when we talked before, you said one of the best things about this work is that it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And I, and I think that when we're taking care of ourselves, right. And, and we feel present and settled and well-rested, we can show up for the work. And it, and it does feel like an act of love, which is different from that capitalist understanding of like, oh, I have to show up to work right now. Yeah. And I love that with the not ministry, one of the things she said, the grind is not a machine. I don't have to grind to be of service. I'm grinding for you. And I'm not trying, I'm not saying I don't rich and popular and all those things. But I, that's not my goal. My goal is if I'm happy, I can show someone how to be happy too. And the money will always follow. Yep. The goodness will come by doing the good work. Yeah. Yeah. That, that intention. And I think even when people um, hear or sometimes use the word abundance, there's always like that automatic equation to financial resources, which of course yeah. is, is a part, right? Cause you need to be able to survive, yeah. but, but abundance, it's like abundance of time, right? Um, uh, uh, just feeling of an abundance of support and love, um, an abundance of nourishment, right? It can mean so many yeah. things. So yeah, when I go with abundance, food is on my top. Yeah. I love it. I cook. I eat out, so food is one of my love language, and I cook for others. So I usually tell someone, I'm like, if we're friends and I haven't cooked for you, we're not truly friends yet. <laughs> no, it's the truth, because I have to be able to, and that's how I show one of, show a way of showing love. So if I haven't feed you, we need to like rectify that, because that's how I show, like I will take the time, and we're Haitian, our meal can take hours. And I will do that. I'll stand up and cook. And I, if I know I'm going to feed a, a family or friends, I love it. Like it's like it's one of my love. In abundance, water. I'm sitting here. I water, abundance uh, for the bath. Like I said, animals or nature. There's different way of seeing abundance that doesn't just have to be money. Because you can be abundantly happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need to switch the mindset. We haven't said that mindset, but we have to change the mindset. 
I, I love your example of food too, because that I think that is one of the first ways that we met. We were college students and I was living off campus and you were like, do you have a kitchen? Let me cook for you because I really just want to cook, you know, but, but that sense of, um, you know, of, of taking care of yourself and taking care of others that it, it flows outer, right. When you have that inner cup full and I'm thinking about, um, kind of what you said at the beginning of this is that, you know, sometimes people don't put those boundaries in place because they don't feel like they are worthy of it. And I, I do think that there's a deep sense of unworthiness and saying yes to self-care, whatever that looks like. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. You've shared some examples, but, um, that, that when you start saying yes to yourself, it is a way of asserting your worthiness and that you actually matter. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering your thoughts on, on unworthiness and self-care. Yeah, definitely. So for me is when I get in a new space, I'm not questioning the space, right? Because I know what I'm breathing on. So I know I'm coming out to my full self. I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm worthy. So we don't have to discuss, am I worthy or not? So it's the people that doesn't know their worth do not work because it's not up to someone else to validate your worthiness. You have to come in knowing you're here. If you're here, you're breathing they already. So to do that work, so having the self-care practice of spending time with yourself, knowing how to love yourself fully with all the flaws, because I'm not perfect, but in my mind I am, right? Because I'm like, I'm not coming like, oh my God, this is, doesn't work. I'm too big. This is like, I'm not doing that to myself. And that is not love. Yes, there's stuff I might be able to improve. And I like to tell people as a former therapist, I still go to therapy. I have a therapist because we need another adult helping me in my head. So I'm all okay with that. So with the help, with the support and everything, but I still know in the core, I am light, I am love, and I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. And that. Yeah. And, and for me, I noticed that when I waver in my self-care, when you're talking about working with clients, that the more I work in my practice, the more I learned that the actual work is self-care. And then when I take care of myself, that's when my clients find me and it changes the energy in, in the session, right? I'm able to just be present in that moment. Um, uh, One of the thing I offer my clients if they choose, I'm a IV tea drinker. So for a session, if they want, because I always have candles on my metal. So I'm, I, and I tell them, like, I have candles, I have tea. If you need that time for us to arrive, so we know what we're doing together, you have that choice. And some of them are like, oh, that sounds good, I'll try it. And then some of them are like, no, 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 we just need to talk. But I will tell them, like, for my self-care practice, while I'm talking to you, I'm practicing self-care. Because I want to be present, so I always have, I want to show you this in front of me because I do not, oh, bubble booking. I don't like that. I don't <laughs> like feeling overwhelmed. And if, so if I'm overwhelmed, I'm taking a nap. As simple as that. If I feel overwhelmed, I put my, like, I put myself on time out. Because I'm like, that's the energy, the rush energy, the overwhelm energy. I don't want that to be how I'm showing up. So it's doing all the things. And they're like, oh, how much you do for self-care? A lot. I do a lot. And you might not label it self-care, but for me it is because that allows me to be present for everyone when I need to be present. And when I don't want to be present, I have no issue saying no, and I don't have to explain the no. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, and I love that idea of modeling, even when your clients are there. We, we just have a couple minutes before break, Joe. I'm wondering if you tell listeners where they can find your work and a little bit more about your individual services and how you work with them. Um, right now, I am mostly on Instagram every Wednesday going live for Self-Care Wednesday. Um, for my practice, we do a five-week Self-Care I Love Me journal where you get to talk to me one-on-one once a week. Um, for the freebie, we give you a seven-day self-care challenge to see where you're at. And I know I've been doing self-care for so long, but you do not have to do it the same way. So my website is jomanosias.com. So everything is mostly on my name. Even Shea Fabin. Fabin is my name also. So I am full of myself at the end of the day. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Joe, so we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Joanna's going to share with us some more about her spiritual path, um, how that feeds into her work, uh, some of the work that she's still dreaming into existence, because she has like really exciting plans and ideas, um, and also some tips for listeners for upping their self-care practices. So please join us after the break. Hi, I'm Patricia McNair, host of Divine Guidance with Patricia. And I'm here to help you live a more authentic, spiritually connected life. Join me every first and third Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Being who you are in everyday life is the key to unlocking soul wisdom within that our whole self already knows. Get ready to embrace your spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being, your whole being. Discover your gifts and strengthen your connection to spirit. We will explore earth guidance, divine truth, and love, past life lessons, and so much more. So listen in to Divine Guidance with Patricia and join in your personal adventure to triggering, opening, validating, and being all that you are. For more information about me, visit divineguidance.earth. Transition, simultaneously the most difficult and vital part of the human experience. Without change, how would we grow? Tune in to Grounding Into Your Radiance with Stacey Barber every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Step into your truth and allow the light into your life. For more information about Stacy and her services, visit StacyBarber.com. That's Stacy S-T-A-C-I-E, Barber.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Transition, simultaneously the most difficult and vital part of the human experience. Without change, how would we grow? 
Tune in to Grounding Into Your Radiance with Stacy Barber every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Step into your truth and allow the light into your life. For more information about Stacy and her services, visit StacyBarber.com. That's Stacy S T A C I E Barber.com. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Hello, thank you for coming back and joining us at Heart Change Consciousness. Today we're here with self-care coach um, and owner of Shea Fabine, where happiness lives, Joanne Osias. Um, So we've been talking with Joe all things self-care, and we're going to dive back into that. Before we do so, um, I just want to remind listeners that that my practice is transformative consciousness, coaching and consulting. My web address is transformativeconsciousness.com, and I work with somatic spiritual coaching, biofield tuning, which is working with tuning forks, Um, and then I also hold group sessions so that people can uh, come home to themselves, just unlearn learning some unworthiness stories, limiting belief systems, and just finding some ways to release old trauma so they can come back into the heart. Um, And so, Joe, I wanted to give you a chance to, again, tell listeners where they can find out more about your work. Yes. Um, um, Again, Joanne, hi. Thank you for watching us again. Um, I am on Instagram at shifabeingselfgay. My webpage is my name, joanneosais.com, and I do everything self-care. And I usually work with adults, so I don't work with little ones anymore. Um, yeah, and my background is in mental health therapy. But we're doing self-care coaching now, which is not fun. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Joe. That that brings us to kind of um, our, our next point to talk about is, is that often um, as we're moving through our path, we hit challenges, right? And at the time, those challenges can feel really devastating um, and they also often teach us lessons and kind of show us our way further on the path, right? It's kind of a a both and. Um, And then it's interesting because as we're kind of shedding those old things and old patterns, we're also moving into the direction of of where we're going and where we want to go. And sometimes our clients can actually help us to see where it is that we want to go or what our specific gifts are. Um, So I know that you had some challenges as a therapist, um, both in terms of feeling like your role was a band-aid to a larger problem, like like you mentioned earlier, um, and also in not feeling respected for your knowledge and gifts, and and also maybe feeling a little too boxed in, right? Um, I also know <laughs> that you really celebrate not being contained in a box, right? Like this is, this is really something that you celebrate and encourage other people to grow into too. Um, so I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit more about your challenges, the lessons learned and insights that you've gained, um, as a therapist and how that helped you to really move into this work um, with clients on self-care. You, you went into it briefly earlier, but I just love to hear a little bit 
more about that. Um, and then who is drawn to work with you? Who are you drawn to work with? Um, and what your vision is of how your services act on the world? Yeah, definitely. So a little background in Haiti, psychology was not well known. So when I got into the U.S. as a teenager and went to school, I actually had my bachelor's of science in mathematics. So psychology or therapy was not a plan that I had as a young age. And I discovered Psych 101, I think my first year, but I had the knowledge of like, okay, since I want to have my degree in math, I'm not going to declare psychology as my minor because I will need it to take more classes. So I've always been good at, I'm not doing extra work for any reason. So I had a, I had enough amount of psychology for a minor, but I didn't declare it because it was asking me to take a lab, but my math had already had lab experience in it already. So I was like, I'm not doing that. So I finished as a, <laughs> as a mathematician, right? Worked as a social worker for a year in Brooklyn and then came back and got my master's in psychology. And I chose my school because I didn't have to take the exam. Whatever test you're supposed to take to do the schooling. I'm always being clear, like I'm not showing you more work for no reason. And then like, um, St. Mike's created the program where we didn't have to take that test to be a clinician. So that's how I chose the field. And I worked with teenagers, like I said, in the family. And what I saw was the family were overwhelmed, they didn't have the resources and the kids were in trouble and they wanted us to help the kids and not the family. So when I decided to do coaching, I wanted to work with the caretaker, the parents. And what brought me fully into that is three years ago, I had a miscarriage and I, I couldn't connect why the miscarriage had to happen while I already had two healthy kids. And that was a trauma for me. And in the moment, I wasn't able to recognize it because I was practicing self-care. I was doing things, but I was doing a work that takes me two hours away from home. And I wasn't really paying attention to that. So by me stopping, I went to Brazil for a week, quit my job. I should say, I did quit the job and went to Brazil. And people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I need to take care of it. I need to reconcile why this had to happen for me to pause. And the only thing that came back to me when I did coaching with someone else was, you could be a coach, but what would that look like? And I was like, huh, most people are not doing self-care, like fully embracing doing self-care of actually authentically spending time with themselves and see what's going on. So I practice, I am more drawn to moms because I want the moms to know, yes, we chose to be mothers, but we are still persons and we are still women and there's stuff we need to do for us so we can be of service family. Mm -hmm. Was there something else? <laughs> I um, don't know. It was a long question. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, even just, even just that moment, um, you know, we'll often we're kind of in survival mode, like a trauma will happen to us, but we have to keep going, right? We, we have families, we have lives, we have bills. Um, so even if we're, if we are taking care of ourselves, um, there's a part of it that's compartmentalized. Like we can't really deal with it all at once. Exactly. So, so it sounds like that's a little bit what happened to you that it, it snuck up on you. Um, but I, I also want to just 
reflect that it takes courage to actually go into those places, right? A lot of us will choose busyness. Busyness can be a trauma response and it feels safer yeah, than pressing yeah. pause. Yeah. And I, I much rather pause because I don't want it. I want to learn my lesson the first time. I don't want to repeat the same lesson. So for me, it's like, oh, if this happened, it's telling me something because um, I always wanted to be a mom. So that was a choice for me. But I have a thing about giving birth. <laughs> so I never wanted to push something out of me, but I wanted a kid. So both of my children, which I didn't have to schedule, did come via C-section. So what I hold in my head showed up as the manifestation of what I wanted anyway. So for me to have a miscarriage and having to birth a mass of things, I'm like, oh no, we need to pause. Mm -hmm. Because this is not how you see yourself. This is not what you want to do. And maybe the work you're doing right now is not truly what you need to be doing. So let's pause. So that was my thing of like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not forcing this. I'm going to pause completely to real recognize what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's, there's so much vulnerability in that, right? When... Um... I used to, so I, I'm, boundary work is my work. I have to constantly work on saying no, as you know. Um, <laughs> it's good practice yeah. for me. But um, what would you, what used to happen to me is that I would be going like full force ahead, ignoring that I had a body, ignoring my needs. Um, and then I would just know that things weren't right. But then I would feel so overwhelmed. I would have to kind of like, toss everything out and then be like, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working to figure out what was working and what wasn't working. Um, and it's really scary because when you make that decision to press pause, you're confronted with yourself. Um, and you, you have a choice, right? And for a lot of people still, that fear is so strong that even when we see what it is, we'll still go back to make those other choices. Um, because it's scary to kind of walk into the unknown. And so I'm wondering um, how you see those lessons actually showing up in your ability to be a self-care coach. Do you see them showing up? Yeah. So for me is when the trauma happened, it's being aware of it. So instead of being like, the, the doctors had offered, and I'm in Georgia right now, and they keep saying like, oh, if you want to get pregnant again, let's figure it out. And I'm like, no, no. We have two kids, we're good. And I never felt pregnant. And that was one of the things I was like, give us that voice. Because as a woman, I'm telling you, I've never felt pregnant. I didn't feel the connection with a soul and nobody was listening to me. And I'm like, that's not okay. I have two other kids. I know what it felt like to be pregnant. So if I'm saying this and everyone was like, oh, don't say that. Don't jinx yourself. And I'm like, I'm not jinxing. I'm saying in my being, I'm not feeling that connection. So it's having everyone to actually give us that per permission to recognize we are, we have something different than men. And that connection to our body needs to be recognized because it's the whole thing like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm telling you in my, in my sense of being, I'm not feeling and you're negating what I'm saying. And I had to keep saying like, no, no, I don't want you to try to help me get pregnant. I want to understand why this had to happen. And if you cannot give me that um, respect, answer I need, I need to figure that out for myself. Yeah. So clients, I don't want you to have that for us to get to the space of like, oh, I need to take care of myself. And I knew I didn't want my job because traffic in Atlanta can take you two hours. 
that cannot be my life. I'm not sitting in a car for two hours just so I can go make some money to come back home exhausted. So I knew that part already, but so that had to stop me to be like, okay, I need to work closer to home. I need to figure out what my job gonna look like and the culture of mental health. Because even if you have a full load, your boss, your supervisor will ask you to take more. And my last job, I had to consistently say no. Mm-hmm. Even when I show up, I got the interview and did everything. I'm like, I'm showing up as a part-time therapist. But I had to keep reminding them for a whole year that I'm showing up as a part-time therapist. That shouldn't be. And I'm and we're in the mental health helping other families. So how am I gonna be exhausted and overwhelmed helping someone else? I don't want my clients to have to go through the same thing that I'm going through. Yeah. That I went through for some time because I have to say, I never last long. If anything is uh, unsettling, I'm not lasting long. And, you know, I I think that um, that there's there's a difference when you've walked that path right? And you've been there. I think it actually, it opens up compassion too, right? It kind of changes the way that you're engaging with people because it's not coming from, um, you know, like the analytical, I went to school and I know this, right? It's coming from this heart-based place, which is different. Yes, definitely. And I feel like uh, a lot of therapists is like, oh, if I meet someone, if you're talking to me, I'm diagnosing you. I'm like, I am not doing that. No, not for free. I am not giving you a diagnosis for free. Like, no. <laughs> what do you mean that if we're talking, I'm like, oh, you have this and that. I don't know what you have now. Yeah, not, that hat is not on. Andrew, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, for free? No, I'm not. <laughs> no. I, don't worry about me. That's one of the reasons why I left academia was because I felt like I, I had to engage with students as talking heads instead of as humans, like complex humans who had complex lives. Um, so I'm wondering for me in my coaching practice and tuning practice, I get to actually engage with like the full human and also spiritual being. And it's healing for me to be able to do that, but it's, it's also healing for clients to be able to be seen in all of that complexity. Exactly. I'm wondering if you feel that. Yeah. So for my uh, coaching, I created a self-care journal, which takes five weeks. And I tell them it's from my background of multi-systematic therapy. It's the whole system. So we can talk about the whole body, finance, whatever you have. And your self-care has to be personal to you. So wherever you feel the most uncomfortable, overwhelming, that's where you need to start. So don't come in the session thinking that, oh, since we're doing self-care, it needs to look like this. No, no, no. It needs to look like what it makes sense for you. So if for you is gardening, then that's what you do for your self-care. Mm-hmm. For me, self-care is like, I need to nap every day, then that's my self-care. So I want my client to come in the sense of, okay, she's going to really pay attention. And I'm not just hearing what you're saying. I'm listening to your tone and I'm listening to what you're not saying. Because usually I'm going to be like, oh, can we really say, and they like, you catch that? I'm like, yeah, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I have the background as a th- therapist. I will be taking notes. So I can tell you like what we talk about, how we're going to circle back. And I know you wanted to talk about my spiritual part of the path. So last year, I took a six-week intensive work with Ian LaVenzant, and I did not know how that was going to move through and how that was going to change things. And it was intense. And I love it because now I can see, like, okay, so in the morning, I have to pay attention to my 
meditation. I have to pay attention to my prayers. I have to do some stuff just to ground me in the morning so I can follow through for the rest of the day. And my clients, they do not have to be spiritual. I'm not coming in and doing the woo-woo with you if that's not what you want, but I'm coming in in alignment with what I need to be doing so that can be of service to yourself. Mm-hmm. And do you have, um, I- I'm wondering, how does that change how the work feels for you? Because I-, I really like what you say. I-, I do that with my tuning too. So I work in the Biofield Tuning Clinic. And so with some people, I'm just working with the tuning force. I'm like, oh, I can hear, you know, that that your mind is loud or I can hear that your left hip is a little unhappy. And then with others, when I listen to their words and their tones, uh, I know that they're more open to spiritual practices and then we do a different kind of work. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering how you've noticed your coaching work change since you've deepened your spiritual practices. Uh, with the coaching is I can tell with the energy where they are and most people so far is they are not grounded. So their root chakra is all over the place. Yeah. And then I'm, and I did my um, personal code lighting and I am very rooted. If you guys have watched the show so far, so I'm rooted on who I am. So it makes sense that the people I'm working with so far are the people that's kind of wavering and they're not sure of like how to actually ground themselves. So most of my clients so far has been, I'm like, oh, if you are interested, you, you're going to want to work on your root chakra because you are not grounded at all. And it feels like everything's out there and we're looking for others to do for us. But if we go back within, yeah. ground ourselves. And it doesn't have to be. And that's the whole thing. I'm like, if spirits worries you, whatever religion you have, go back to that. Ground yourself to that. And it should always be coming from love and light anyway. So whatever religion that's telling you to do other things, that's a problem. Because yeah. it doesn't have to, because if you like, it, and that's the whole thing, like, it doesn't have to be spirit. It doesn't have to be God. Like, I trust the universe. As spiritual as I am, I will say universe first before I say God or Jesus or anything else. I'm like, oh, no, the universe provides, mm-hmm. as always. So it, it's learning the language that makes sense for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that as you do that, too, just to connect what you were saying earlier about, like, the doctors trying to tell you about your experience and you trying to flip it and tell them about your experience that it sounds like you really give your clients permission. Like you have some skills and tools and training and know-how, but you don't know what it is to be them. And so you're encouraging them to really step in and be self-guided and, and to not look for an external root chakra, right? Because that's what many of us do. We're like, oh, maybe, maybe this thing will ground me. Gonna ground me. It's like, no, no, no. Because if you're <laughs> if you're not sure who you are, you're always gonna be looking for something else. Yeah. So there's always gonna be something else. It's like, oh, what else are you gonna be studying? What else? I'm like, I don't need to be studying. If you look at my wall, which you cannot see everything, I have never ever put my degrees up, and I never realized why I didn't put them up. I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't care. I really don't care that I have all those things behind my name, but it took me a while to realize that I never cared, but I knew I needed the little piece of paper to represent something, but I could have been doing this for 10 years now. Yeah. If the society had given me the space of like, oh, just be you. You know what you're talking about. You've been yourself for a while. Do that. But I needed to go to school. I needed to do all those things. So I always said I was a positive nerd because nobody will know I was studying math when I was in college, <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, oh, actually, I just freaking 
They're like, huh? We know your siblings are smart. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I am, but I don't, that's not how I present myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joe, we're, we're coming up um, on the end of our show. So I want to make sure that um, listeners have a, has, have a chance to get some of your self-care tips. So some of the things that you do recommend sounds yeah. like specifically for strengthening root chakra self-cares act, you know, absolutely about root chakra, but also about your vision, like what's coming next you know, like, what do you dream about? What do you want to bring into the world? Um, so my vision is to have international different spaces of self-care wellness centers, and that will include cooking, traveling, um, napping parts, like anything that, so like I like to say is my practice is an extension of me. So all the things I love, I want that to be in my centers. And I think we had that conversation. I'm like, I don't want to have to run all of them because again, I don't want to be overwhelmed. But I would love to have that create those space for others. And then one of my dream was I woke up and I was in Tuscany, Italy, and I had a bed and breakfast in a wellness center. I don't know how that's happening, but that's one of the plans. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I I think that having those spaces. One of the things you said to me was like, well, who wants to be busy all the time, right? There, I think that there is kind of an addiction to busy though, right? And then when you know how good it feels to be connected to yourself and to have an abundance of space and time, that's when you're like, oh, busy doesn't appeal to me. But those kind of wellness centers really feel like they carve out space for people to relearn and rewire other ways of being and how to take care of themselves. Definitely. And I always say, if I am in any group, I want to be the demonstration of what self-care can look like. So if, again, if I'm anywhere and nobody heard me say self-care or napping, because I always say, no, 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 I need to go home. I need to nap. And people will look at me. I'm like, I'm serious. I'm going to go home. I need to nap. So I'm not... So I always show up as myself. So if I'm anywhere in an uncomfortable one, I will leave the space because I do not want to be uncomfortable in my own skin. And two, I want you to be like, okay, it can be different. Mm-hmm. We can show up as ourselves and be okay. We don't, and I don't have to be in competition with anyone. Yeah. What I have, I have. What you have, you have. We can work together, but we don't have to compete. So the mentality like we have to one up each other, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really ego, right? Like that, that very much is that capitalist model of of competition everywhere. And instead of just realizing that we each are inherently worthy because we exist and we are love. (laughs) As simple as that, like you are enough, not because you're here, you're enough. That's it. That's all you have to be. If you're here, you came with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the self-care practices can help us get the noise out of our signal so we can be really clear and brave about what that purpose is. Exactly. Uh, And so for the tips of self-care, if you do not journal, start journaling. That is one way to start to see what's happening here and put it down. There's something that happened with pen and paper that helps you release things. So first thing I'll say, pay attention journal and then pay attention are you a morning person or night person because sometimes we do work when we need to be sleeping and some people i am i do my best work early morning i know that 
So I don't schedule things late at night because I know I'm gonna wanna go to bed. So pay attention what kind of person you are in journal. And then after that, learn some kind of mindfulness, meditation, spend time in nature. That's one thing I feel like we still running away from nature, water. Be friends with water. Like we did a program and they were saying drink 64 ounces of water and people were struggling. And I'm like, what? How much is doubling and tripling in water intake? And they're like, oh, six months enough. I'm like, that's it. But I run hot. So I'm a fire and earth sign, which I know about myself. So I know I need water to be okay. But I'm like, we don't even have a good relationship with water. Yeah. So it's come back to basic. That's my tip. The basic stuff. And I work, I work with Ayurveda, which is understanding that all of the elements out in the world and in nature are also what we are made of. So um, just to connect back to your point about not putting your degrees up, I knew it was time to leave academia when uh, the <laughs> air conditioner in my office leaked all over mine and I didn't care. <laughs> but I think what you're talking about is guiding people into self-study, right? And to really just exploring themselves and to, to trust our intuitions and that our body actually knows the answers. So Joe, yeah. we're, we're almost out of time. If you can just remind people one more time about how they can find your work. Yes. So Instagram, Shake That Bean, Self-Care Coach on Facebook. I didn't say Facebook. My name, Joanne Osias. And then website is joanneosias.com. So all me, all the time, self-care all the time. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. Um, again, my I'm Trish DeRocher. My website is transformativeconsciousness.com. That's transformativeconsciousness.com. I have different events and programs that are up on my site. Um, coming up in June for white-bodied yogis, there will be a Whiteness 101 session happening at Laughing River Yoga in Winooski, Vermont. Um, and I'm also putting together another virtual training um, for white-bodied spiritual people who want to learn more about some of the conversations around racial justice work. Um, so Joe, thank you again so much for coming and having this conversation with us today. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Heart Change Consciousness on TransformationTalkRadio.com with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher. Make sure to come back next time so we can continue to awaken your soul purpose. Look forward to more conversations with your favorite authors, changemakers, influencers, activists, and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. For more information about me and transformative consciousness coaching, visit transformativeconsciousness.com. That's transformativeconsciousness.com. This was Heart Change Consciousness on TransformationTalkRadio.com.